Well, if you got your Bibles, your iPads, droids, open up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to hop out of Romans for one week. Well, actually, it'll be more than one week because Luke will be leading the service the next couple of weeks. A not sick Luke, a well and healthy Luke. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. So, just for all you newcomers, I only preach about money in the church once, about once a year. So, this is, this is that time. <laughs> so, I just want you to know, you come in, oh, this church is all about money. And as soon as I walked in the door, they're going to be talking about money once a year. And it's actually a much broader topic uh, than, than that. It's called time, talent, and and treasure. It's, this message is really more about our values and, and resources um, when it comes to God's uh, kingdom. It's been said that people may not always live what they profess, but people will always live what they believe. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I don't always live what I profess. You know, I can say I believe something, you know, and I'm not always going to live out what I say I believe. It may be something I aspire to, to believe, but we are always going to live out what we believe. Even in the moment, every given moment, however you're operating in the world, you are living out what you believe. So in that moment, right, it may not be what you believe overall, but in that moment, right, uh, when, when, when we sin, for instance, in that moment, we're not believing that God is powerful enough, right? We're not believing that God is good. We're choosing our own way. So we will always live out everything that we do. We will live out what we, what we believe. We can declare and, and profess what we value, but our actions always speak louder than words. And so as followers of Jesus, we profess to, to love God, right? with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourself. And we, we profess to value God's kingdom. And what I mean by God's kingdom, I don't mean uh, just a future place that we go to. I'm, I'm talking about God's kingdom as his rule and reign and his goodness. And we want his goodness to cover all of creation. That's what I mean by God's kingdom. And we value that. We pray, as Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, and we're stewards of bringing that in the world, right? He filled us with the Holy Spirit so that we could go out and, and, and do that. And so this sermon is, is a sermon to motivate us uh, to put our, our time, our, 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 our talents, our, our treasure, and any other resources where our mouth is. So what we profess is also what we believe and how we, we operate. So let's take a look at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, at least a part of it, in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Jesus says this, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither, um, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, Jesus says, there your heart will be also. You ever heard that phrase, get your head out of the clouds? You ever heard that, right? Get your head out of the clouds? No? Some of you have, some of you haven't. 
like when you're daydreaming or whatever. Anyways, God, uh, Jesus here is, is, is inviting us to get our head back in the clouds. And obviously, I'm figuratively speaking, heaven is not a place that's up, up there. Heaven is, is God's realm. It's the spiritual realm. It's the eternal realm, right? And we live on the temporal, the, the earthly realm, right? And it's not that the earth itself is bad. This is, this is, this is actually our home. This, God gave us this planet. He created us and put us on this planet. And some of you, maybe you've heard that phrase. You're like, well, the earth, this world is not my home. No, the pattern of this world, the system, right? The system became corrupt. And so when we talk about the world, we're not talking about the earth itself, although the earth is broken, right? It's not the way that God had originally created it, but it's not evil in and of itself. It's the system that's in the world, right? And so when we don't put, when, when Jesus tells us not to put, set our minds on earthly things, it's temporal things, right? It's things that are broken and not all of them are bad would you go? I'm sorry, I don't have my clicker. I don't know what I'd do with it, Sean. Um, when, when, when Jesus tells us to set our minds on, on heavenly things, it's like love, patience, peace, it's prayer, it's, it's him, right? It's, it's generosity, it's the gospel, it's mercy and compassion. Uh, the things of the earth are, again, not all bad things. Actually, you know, sin is just the perversion of that which is good, sex, money, uh, beauty, possessions, fame, power, success, and things, things like that. Jesus wants us to set our minds on the things that really matter, the things that are eternal, the things that we are here for, right? Some of these other things are just, just other resources, right? And, and if we're not careful, those things, instead of us possessing them, they can possess, they can take hold of, of us. Does that make sense? So we're talking this morning about time, talents, and and treasure. Uh, let's start with let's start with time. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm ninety ten he says the years of our life are about seventy years, or even by reason of strength, maybe eighty. If you're lucky, right? Maybe maybe live a healthy life. I don't know. Sometimes that doesn't even matter. It's like you might live eighty years. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. He's saying, what he's saying is like the Bible often says, our life is but a vapor, right? It's like a flower that blossoms and then soon it just withers away. That's, that's our life in the grand scheme of things. We're like but a, a speck, right? I was just watching something. Of course, it was very atheistic, but I was just watching something on YouTube yesterday just talking about how our lives in the grand schemes of things, like most of us are just going to be forgotten <laughs> after, you know, some people make a, a name for themselves so they're remembered a little bit longer, but soon we're just forgotten, right? We're just, we're just passing, Right? And so the psalmist, he says, our life is so short. And then a couple verses later, Psalm 90, 12, he says, so God, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to think about these things, that life is brief and it is, and it is short. In fact, uh, King Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he says it's better to go to a funeral than it is to a place of celebration, to a party. Now, why would he say that? Because a funeral, it has a sobering effect, Right? I mean, it's a great opportunity. We're always told as ministers, it's a great opportunity to present the gospel because people are in that place. They are thinking about life. And so it's, 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 it's a great time to take advantage of that. And so that's what uh, King Solomon meant. He said, you know, it's, it's better to go to a house of mourning because you'll start considering what this life is about, right? And we're not here to just spend it. We're here to invest it. We were, we were put, we should know as believers right? If you look at it from an atheistic standpoint, it's like, oh man, it's so hopeless. We're nothing. We're just, you know, but, 
But the point of the Bible is to show us, no, that God put us here for a reason. And to think about this earthly life and what are we here, what are we here for? Paul says, Apostle Paul says, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, he says, look carefully then how you walk, church, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Same is true today. He could say that to us today. Make the best use of the time. Look carefully. Be intentional. Be purposeful how you walk because the days are evil. Make the best use of your time. Therefore, do not be, uh, do not be foolish, he says, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You see that correlation? They go hand in hand. Making the best use of the time and knowing what the will of the Lord is. Being wise, not being foolish. We need to understand what the will of the Lord is. And as Christians, we should know what the will of the Lord is. It's not this secret hidden thing from us. We were created to be image bearers. We were created to mirror God's goodness in the world, to be a blessing in the world. And through that, we glorify him. That's the way we glorify him. We know that sin got in the way and Jesus came and he redeems us for a purpose so that we can be image bearers in the world and we can be a blessing in the world and we can mirror God's goodness in the world. And we've been given the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile this world back to God. That is why you live. That is each one of you. That is your purpose. Now you know the purpose in life. You never have to question it again. You know why you're here. You know why you exist for that reason. All of us, all of us. So if you haven't figured out your individual purposes and plans, just love God and love people. Live for Jesus, and that's your purpose. Understand what the will of the Lord is and take advantage of it. Make the best use of the time that you have. Intentionality, and y'all know we're big on intentionality. Talked about it a couple weeks ago, and it's also in our values. It's what separates the greats from the average. And I'm not, I'm not here to preach a, a message on, on greatness, but think about it. Separates the, the average athletes from the great athletes, right? I've known guys that were very gifted and talented, but I knew the ones that were gifted and talented and that were very intentional and passionate and purpose and disciplined in what they did, and it set them above. Separates the, the great musicians, right, from the average, great teachers from the average, those who are invested, those who value what they do. They make the best use of their time. And it also separates a disciple from Jesus Christ from a convert of Jesus Christ. See, we're called to be disciples. We're called to make disciples. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ, that means a follower. We're a follower of Jesus Christ. We're a learner of, of Jesus Christ. When you had a, a, a mentor or a rabbi, you followed him around and you learned from him and you imitated his ways. That's what a disciple, that's what a disciple does they have they have purpose they're intentional about it whereas a convert recognizes Jesus as savior and then just kind of goes with the flow and just kind of coasts through life god doesn't want that for us god gives each of us a fork in the road when it comes to our our time and we can either we can either waste it or we can invest it that's the fork that we all have in our in our lives and it's and it's never too late to Take the, <laughs> take the other road. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you can live a life of purpose and be intentional about what God has, has given you. So we're called to, to invest time with God, to be what I call being, being present with God. Walking in the spirit, knowing that God is always near, he's always with us, walking in that relationship, not only being present, but being available to God. 
being available to God. Waking up every morning and, you know, sometimes before I set my feet down, I say, thank you, God. Let's do this. What are we going to do today? And I just kind of get myself in that mindset of being available to God. What do you got planned for me today? Let's do it. I don't know, but I'm ready. Let's, let's go. And then I put my feet down and, and I'm off. Being available to God. So we can be present, but, but not available. Make yourself available to be used by God and, and be hungry for God. Always be hungry, but at the same time, always be satisfied right? Uh, Jesus says that I am the bread of life. We were talking about that at group on, on Thursday. He's the bread of life. He says, you know, uh, he, he tripped some people out, man. He was saying, you know, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And they're like, this dude is crazy. And many of them left. But what he's saying is like, I am your, I am your source. I am your, I am your food. I am your sustenance, right? I am the bread of life. I was sent from heaven and feed on me. It's a spiritual thing. Feed on me. And so on one hand, we need to stay hungry for God, right? But we also need to be satisfied in him and him alone and knowing that he alone can satisfy our deepest hunger. And I believe it's important to to invest time in God in two, two ways. And I think they both need to be held in tension and in balance. And one is as you go, we call that walking in the spirit, right? And some people are really good at this, right? And some of us struggle in this area, but like knowing that God is always with us, I call it never hanging up the phone, right? So that's kind of going along with the always being present. I believe that's what Paul meant when he says pray without ceasing, is knowing that God is always on the line, right? Remember that? Wasn't there an old song, Jesus on the main line? Yeah, so Jesus is always on the, on, the main, <laughs> on the main line. He's always on the phone. He's always there with us. And so that's walking in the spirit, being present and being available to him as you go. But also, I think also important, and some people are really good at this one and not so much as that one, is like the quality time with God. That's like being in your Bible, right? Reading your Bible and, and, and uh, regular times of prayer, not the, like just constantly walking, but like actually sitting down. Maybe you, you know, maybe you get on your knees, maybe you just stand there, maybe go on a walk or something, but you're that intentional time with, with God and prayer, uh, Bible. Here gathered, I would put that in the same category, us gathered in church. And so some people are really good at this, but not this. And some people are really good at this, but they don't spend like that, that quality time with God. And I think they're equally important, right? And I always compare it to a relationship with my wife, right? I'm always with her, but if I don't spend quality time with her, it's just kind of like, yeah, we got this relationship, but we don't really talk deep. You know what I mean? We don't really get too, too deep, right? And if I'm all just about this, I'm just trying to do the right things, and I'm not really being present with her. Hope that makes sense. I believe God wants both of those uh, from us. But God doesn't want us. So he is our source. We are present with him. We invest time in him, and that should, that should bleed over into investing our time with other people. You see, time... Of all these resources, time is your most valuable resource that you have. I've had to actually schedule time with my family. And some of you, maybe, maybe some of y'all that makes sense, other of you like, oh, you have to schedule time with your family? What are you, what are you talking about? No, because I found that when I just kind of go with the flow, right, and I say, oh, I value my family first, I start putting other things in its place. Other things start getting in the way. So what I've learned and a mentor helped me do this was to actually schedule out time for my family. And so that way, everything has its place and then so I could focus, right? And when that gets all messed up, then I go back and I I do it again. Whatever it takes, right, to invest time. We need to be intentional about our time, not just with God, but with with other, other people. Listen to this. 
Paul says, Colossians 4, 5, he says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Who are outsiders? Anybody know? Who are outsiders? Unbelievers, right? Those who don't consider themselves Christians yet, right? Those who aren't a part of of the church. Um, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. He says, making the best use of the time. Now remember, Jesus is in the world, but not of the world. And he says he sent us in the world, but not of the world, right? And so Jesus was called a friend of sinners, but that didn't mean he became, you know, he operated as a sinner, but he was a friend. He befriended people. He was very intentional. He walked in wisdom. He made the best use of his time. I mean, he had 33 years before he went to the cross. He made the best use of his time here on earth. And he wants us to do the same, right? Often, you know, sometimes we get in our Christian bubble, some people are of the world, right? There's some Christians that are of the world. So they're not just in the world. They're also of the world. Others of us, we're trying to protect ourselves so much. We put ourselves in a bubble and we isolate ourselves from the world. We ignore them. We resist them. But God wants us to see them like Jesus. And what are they? The same thing that we are. They're image bearers. They're people made in the image of God. They just need to be redeemed. And so we need to see that potential in them that God does. But all of this, it starts with our time. We all have the same 24 hours in the day. Every single one of us. Every single one of us have the same. So it's really not about, it's not about having enough time for said thing, whatever that may be. It's about our values and our priority. Think of it like a bookshelf and you have 24 books on that bookshelf and each represents an hour in your day. Okay. Whenever you're introduced to something else, it's not going to fit on that bookshelf without taking something off of that bookshelf, right? So you're going to remove a book, and then you'll put that book in its place. And also, you might want to rearrange your bookshelf and put your favorite books, you know, your most important books on the left side and, and, and go down to the right. But we all have the same amount of time, so it's a matter of what's going to go on our bookshelf and what's not. And some things we find don't belong on our bookshelf. And there may be some things that we have on a level that are on our bookshelf that should not be there, right? They should be moved or they should be reprioritized. But anytime you're introduced to something else for your time, you're going to have to take a book off the bookshelf. So what's my point? When it, comes to, when it comes to God, if we don't have time for him, it's because we have other things that are taking precedent over him. And the cool thing about the kingdom is like the whole bookshelf, all of that should be saturated with God. So that's cool in a way, right? But again, I'm talking about that intentional, uh, what I call intimate time with, with, with God. He needs, he, needs, he, needs to be, he needs to take priority on that bookshelf, right? So if we find we don't have time for God, maybe we need to start thinking about what, we need, what needs to come off that bookshelf or how does it need to be reordered in order to make time for him? Every single one of us, we have the same amount of time. Do you get that? Oh, I've got this important job that takes up all my time and I can't do anything else. Maybe you need to reprioritize. Maybe you need to look at those things, right? What's taking you away from God? Anytime we've walked away from God, it's our bookshelf that's messed up, not God, can you give me 28 hours? The same 24 hours. It starts with our time. Let's talk about our talent. And man, I am thirsty. I have told my wife, like, I don't know what's going on the last couple of days. No, it's not. Stop. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I'm leaving Wednesday, Brandon. 
Don't do that to me, please. Yeah, it is not. I think it's something, this special drink I've been drinking. I just maybe take that off my bookshelf. Um, <laughs> let's look at talent. Jesus tells this parable in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. He says, the kingdom of God will be like a man who's going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To the one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability, and then he went away. So remember, the kingdom of God isn't something future. This is talking about, he's, he's comparing this to life on earth right now. He goes away, remember, Jesus ascended into heaven. He's coming back, right? There's this correlation there. And so he gives five talents to, to one servant, another two, another one. He's not passing out, um, you know, like you got a guitar player or whatever, you know, and, and somebody painting pictures. It's like a talent in Bible times is, is uh, it's, it's like money. It's a measurement. It's a unit of, of money, of measurement for money. And so he gave one five talents, one two, and another one. And listen to this, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. Okay, so it really doesn't matter how much he gave according to their ability. So the one with five talents, he went and he invested it and he made five talents more. The one with two talents, he went and invested it. He made two talents more. And the one who received one talent, he went and buried it. Just said, I'll just wait till the master comes back and I'll just bury it in the ground. And so after a long time, the master of those servants came and he settled accounts with them. To the man with the five talents, he's like, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been uh, faithful over little. I'm going to set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. To the man with the two talents who invested and made two talents more, same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Well done. Good job. And then with the one with the one talent, that man, the man said to the master, he said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Uh, here, take what's yours. Master said to the man with one talent, you wicked and slothful servant, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away from him and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, God isn't a banker, but it's a correlation of our investment uh, here on uh, the earth in which he's placed us. It's a parable about not wasting the life that God has given us. That's the point that Jesus is making. And I want you to notice, again, it is not about how much talent. The, the, the guy uh, with the one talent was not condemned because he had one talent. He wasn't chastised because he had one talent. It's because he didn't do anything with that talent. He buried it. He invested it. He just sat on it. You all have been given gifts and talents. Every single one of you. And I know when I say that for, for some of you, it, 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 it causes shame because I hear it all the time. It's like, oh, I don't, you know, Caleb, man, she's this beautiful singer. I mean, like, look at me. I can't do any of that kind of stuff. What about me, you know? But we have all been given, we've all been given gifts and talents. Now, there's a difference. Talents, right, or things, you know, maybe you're a good, maybe you're a good writer, right? Maybe you've got uh, um, intelligence, you've got a great mind, you know, you're a great intellect, um, maybe you're a good artist or, or whatever. 
But gifts are, are, are uh, the Holy Spirit gave each of us, each of us, every single one of us. If you have uh, received Christ, you have been given a gift. And simply, you want to find out what that is, just love God, love people. It's going to come out. <laughs> just go, go do that, and your gifts are, your gifts are going to come out. But the uh, Bible talks in terms of prophe- prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging. Encouraging is a gift. Giving is a gift. Leadership, mercy. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, the interpretation of tongues, healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. And so that's, that's some of this. I don't think it's a catalog of all the, the, the spiritual gifts, but, you know, some of you are, you know, gifted teachers and servants and techies and, and uh, stuff like that. But here's the thing. Do not overlook your ability to love we all have that gift. We all have that gift. And the Bible says that that's the most important one, right? All of us have the ability to love and to love well. Go out there and love God, love people, and you will be fulfilling your purpose. Remember, it's not about how much talent you have. It's whether you invest it. I've often said is I, I can, when I get to heaven and he says, good, well done, good and faithful servant, I can stand next to Billy Graham. Because it doesn't matter, right? I mean, it matters. You know what I mean? He's done a lot in the world, but like, that's not what God's looking at. He's like, Scott, you got one talent. Are you using it? Just because Billy Graham has five talents, he's using it. Don't bury your talent. Use it. Be faithful. I put you here for a reason. Jesus said, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, but the one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Basically, he's saying you are a steward here on this earth. I've given you this earth. Invest it. And how are you going to have heavenly riches and all this stuff that I've stored up for you and prepared for you? How, are you, how am I going to be able to entrust you with that if I can't entrust you with, with this, right? So God wants us to invest our time here. Jordan? This message was a lot about a lot more than money, but you walked in at the right time when we got to the money part. Uh, at any time, I told him to get up in the middle of the message and just walk out. It's an inside joke, sorry. We were... Paul says that the, we're talking about treasure now. Paul says the love of money is the root of all kinds of, of evil. He doesn't say it is evil. Money is not evil in and of itself. It's the root of all kinds of, of, uh, of evil. Money is just money. It just is, right? It's neither good nor bad. You can use it for good. You can use it for bad. Problem is, is money can easily get a hold of you. <laughs> it has a luring effect, right? Because we all need money to survive in the world. That can be magnetic, right? And it can also give power, right? That's why Jesus says no one can serve two masters for either he's going to hate the one and love the other or he's going to be devoted to one and despise the other. He says you can't, you can't serve God and money, right? If money's got a hold of you and you don't have to be rich for money to have a hold of you. You can be poor, you can be middle class and you can be consumed with the idea of, of, uh, of money and if it has a hold of you, you're not going to be able to serve God. It just won't happen. So we serve God and money is one way of doing so. 
Uh, when we give to others, Bible says Matthew 25, it's like giving to Jesus. And that's not just, that's just not money. Matthew 25 is the way we serve and love others, all these other things we've been talking about up to this point. When we love others well and we serve them, Jesus says, it's like you're ministering to me. And again, that's why we're here. But when we give, when we give, when we give to the church, it's an act of worship. We always say that here. It's, it's an act of mission because we see this church is on mission. Uh, it's an act of gratitude. It's first, it, it, it's, it's, giving, it's giving to God. We look at our giving as whether we're giving to the poor or whether we're giving to the church, we're looking at it as we're giving it as an act of worship to God. And so when it comes to money, the reason I keep overly prefacing uh, this message is because there's some extremes. And, you know, a lot of us, uh, some of us see, you know, we see the preachers on TV, hey, you need healing, you know, then give, give some money. You need your mortgage paid, then give more money. <laughs> and uh, you want to be rich, then, then, you know, give this much and, and, and God will give back to you, give back to you tenfold. And then you, we, see, we also see the abuses in the church of, uh, hey, if you don't give, if you don't give to the church, you are under a curse because the Bible says so. And I can, show you, I can show you why. Let's all turn to Malachi, right? And so that's one abuse. But the other abuse, and I believe it's, it's like going to the other end of a, the spectrum, you know, as a reaction to these abuses over here, is, you know, we end up just like living for ourselves and we don't, we, we give little thought to the kingdom of God, right? And, you know, we, we may have good morals and everything like that, but really our money is all about us, about taking care of just us and our family. But we give little thought to the kingdom of God. And people say, you know, well, the tithe is old covenant and the church just cares about money, yet they, they ignore things. And I, I see this in the church because most of us in the church, most churches most churches are, are under 100 people. 80, 80%, no, 90% of churches are under 300, and 80% of churches are under uh, 100 people. I said 300 the first time, right? 90% of churches are under 300, 80% are under 100. So most of us are just bivocational pastors just looking to get by. We're not, you know, we don't have private jets and all that kind of stuff. It's what the devil does. He puts a few guys on TV or whatever. We see that and we say, oh, the church is all about money. And people walk around saying the church is all about money. And then they end up ignoring the hardworking pastors, the needs of the local church, missionaries caring for the poor, and all because they've got their excuse. You see what I'm saying? Don't let you see the, the abuse of these things like shape how you, how you view giving and what God wants us to do. Now, here comes the dangerous part of the message. Is the tithe biblical? I say it's dangerous because, man, it would, it, would, it would be much easier for me to come stand up here and say, you know, guilt you guys, you got to give. You guys are under a curse if you don't. Um, but, like, the tithe is Old Testament. First of all, let, let's start with the word tithe. Let's start there. The word tithe just means tenth. So if you're giving 5%, that's not a tithe. If you're giving 15% or 20%, that's not a tithe. Because you're saying, you know, I give my tenth, and then you're not giving a tenth. So tithe, the word just means tenth. It's a tenth. Can you go to the next slide? Thank you. There are three types of Old Testament tithes. How many of you knew that? It can be rhetorical. You can raise your hand if you want, though. But 
There are three, <laughs> there are three tithes, not one. You know, a lot of us, I grew up in church thinking there was a one tithe. So we need to give our tithe. They tithe in the Bible. We need to tithe. We need to tithe too. There's three types of tithe. First of all, the one you're probably most familiar with is the Levitical uh, tithe. It's in uh, Numbers 18, 21 through 32. I'm not going to read those, but if you want to make notes, you want to take a picture on screen, you can go. And I, actually, I recommend it. If you, if you put that in your notes or you want to look it up later, I really recommend investing a little time in, in reading this. It's really good. Um, the Levitical tithe is, um, so when God separated the Israel into 12 tribes, they had the Levites who were in charge of the tabernacle and then later the temple. They were the priests, right? They took care of all that. It was their job to take care of the whole worship, uh, the, the corporate worship system and sacrificial system. And, but they were not given an inheritance. Their inheritance was from everybody else, right? They're, they were dispersed between the other tribes and, um, through the tithe, through the giving a 10% of their crops, that's what the Levites would eat off of. So uh, the Levitical tithe was given to the Levites so that they can function and they can have food and they can survive, right, and pay the bills and all that good stuff. And then the Levites were to take a tenth, the best tenth of that tenth, and bring it to what's called the storehouse in the temple. And that would be for the Levites and the priests and the high priests that were serving actively in the, in the temple. So we gave 10%. Well, if you were Old Testament, you gave Israel gave 10% to the Levites, and then they would take 10% of the best 10% of the crops and give it in, in animals and give it to um, those working in the temple. And in Malachi, when it says, "Hey, you're you're uh, robbing uh, you're robbing God, uh, and you're giving like not your best," right? That's what he's saying. You weren't giving the best animals and stuff like that. He wasn't even talking to Israel. He was talking to the Levites, not giving the best tenth of the tenth to the, to the storehouse. That's the context of Malachi. It has nothing to do with us being under a curse right now. Okay, so that's the Levitical. Then this one, how many of you have ever heard of the festival tithe? This is never talked about in the church. Again, take a picture of that thing, write it down, go read it for yourself. Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 27. Israel would take their tithe... They're 10% of their crops and animals, and they would take it to Jerusalem. And if they didn't have, if they weren't able to do that, they would turn it into money. And then they would go and they'd bring it to Jerusalem. They'd buy whatever their hearts desired. And it was a big, it was a big God party. They ate it. They threw a party in the name of the Lord and they ate it. They partook of their tithe. You ever heard of, they, they don't teach that tithe in church. <laughs> that we get to like consume our tithe, to take our tithe. And then finally, there's the, uh, there's the poor, the poor tithe, which was given every third year. And so that was um, every third year they would take, uh, again, 10% of their crops and stuff, and they would give, um, they would lay aside uh, for the poor, for the widow, for the, for the, uh, the, the, the traveler, and also for the, uh, for the Levite. So we had the Levitical tithe, the festival tithe, the poor tithe. So if you want to be biblical, if you want to be, you know, by, by the letter, by the law, 23.3%, not 10%. 23.3%. Two ten times, and then every third year, another tenth. That equals 23.3%. But the truth is, is that we are not under the law. We're not under the law. We are under the covenant of grace. Apostle Paul says, Galatians 3.10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. You want to put your under, 
yourself under a curse, like put yourself under the law. For it is written, curse be everyone who does not abide in all things written in the book of the law and do them. So he's saying, you want to put yourself under the law, you better obey it all. Because you know what happens. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. You want to put yourself under the law, then you're going to have to obey it. And you're cursed because you can't obey it. That was the problem. You were under a curse. You couldn't obey it. You were under the curse of sin and death. But he says, Galatians 3.13, a few verses later, but Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us on the cross. And then he says in Romans 10.4, for Christ, Jesus Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. We're not under the law. We're not under the law. We're under, we're under covenant of grace. Now, are there principles that we can, do we, do we throw out the Old, Old Testament? No, the whole New Testament is written in light of Christ. It is the Old Testament uh, translated in light of Jesus Christ. That's what the New Testament is. All they had was the Old Testament. We don't throw out the Old Testament, right? There's great principles to be learned. These are the principles I, I mean, I, what I see here is, okay, I'm going to set aside money to give to the church. Because think about it, the temple, tabernacle, the priesthood, come on, the worship system, the sacrificial system, okay, corporate, your church, give, give to the church. This is, our, this is our, you know, our corporate means of worship. Set aside some for that, right? But then, I never thought of it like this before. I set aside some, I mean, like for vacation, right? I mean, do it to glorify God. It's all a mindset, right? Do everything you do for the glory of God. But this gives me permission to like set aside money to celebrate God's goodness. You better believe when I go to Greece on Wednesday, which I've been saving up for three years, I'm going to do it to the glory of God. (laughs) I'm going to be very thankful for my opportunity to go. But that, these are principles. I'm not putting you under another law. It's just an idea, right? Set aside some money and do it for the glory of God. You have the, I believe you have the permission. Israel had the permission to do that. And there's, there's actually some legalistic churches today that still like abide that you have to do this festival law. And they're telling them, put your money in the savings account. And then when you go to the place that we're going to, you know, they have their own different allotted places, you know, that they go to. And uh, they say, you can, you can use it on your plane tickets. You can use it on this. You can use it on that. And it's and then if you have money left over, why not give to the poor and help them do the same, same thing? That was the idea. And then set aside money for the poor and the needy and, and missions and, and, and things like that. So, yes, there is very much to be learned. I mean, Paul was always talking about quoting the Old Testament in light of Christ and how that principle applied. So there's definitely still principles. Under grace, there's no mandate, though, on what amount to give. So here's the thing. This is what we learned from the New Testament. Decide in your heart, Paul says. Are you loving God and loving others with your finances? Is your decision uh, to give, is it faith-based or fear-based? And some people give out of fear. I don't want to be under a curse, so I'm going to give. That's not the heart that God's looking for. He wants a faith-based approach, Right? Are you being wise in your giving and your finances? Starts with that. Give from your heart. Give willfully. Don't allow my, uh, uh, money to become an idol and have a hold of, of you. Give liberally. Um, when they were building um, the, the tabernacle, uh, Moses took up an offering. And the Bible says he had to restrain people. They were, they were to give. He didn't, he didn't demand they give. They gave out of their own free will. 
And he had to stop them (laughs) because they were given way too much. He had to restrain them. And then Paul taking up a collection for the Macedonian church, he was taking up a collection from the other churches. He says that people gave according to their means, and I can testify beyond their means of their own accord. So they wanted to. They were just so full of the love of God that they wanted to help others, right? And they wanted to give. Give sacrificially. Here's the thing. Some people don't give at all. Some people just don't, don't give it all. I mean, some people, don't, they're just ignorant. They don't understand, you know, the principle of giving, but some people just, just don't give. Some give little, though, because they have little. That's why it's important not to judge. This is the reason I don't know. I know our finances, but I don't know what individuals give. I don't know what you all give. I don't know whether you don't give at all, whether you give little, whether you give much. Because the truth is, some people give little because they have little. Some people give much because they have much. So they're giving like 40, 50%, right? Because then they're like, man, I got so much to live off of, and I want to, yeah, I just want to give this to, to others. I want to give this to God, you know? I want to use it for his kingdom. Some give 10%, but for them, it's not sacrificial. Like, let's think about it this way. You're, let's say you're rich. You got lots of money, right? You're real successful. And man, you, you, you drop $5,000 here. Here you go, man, $5,000. And you're like, wow, look at that guy. He just gave $5,000. Praise the Lord, man, that guy's a giver. But he don't give to anything else. He don't give faithful. He drops $5,000 like once a year, you know, once six months. I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm not judging anybody. It's a hypothetical person. But I, I'm, I'm just saying like, God, you know what I mean? You can, you can give out of your riches. And it's like, for me, it'd be like giving 10 bucks once a year. Does that make sense? Is that giving sacrificially? It looks awesome to everybody else, Right? But like for me, it's like 10 bucks. The more, there's more to giving than money. It's like what God is doing in us, right? And then there's the poor widow in Mark 12 who gave all that she had. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, this poor woman has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their richness, their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. I'm not saying to give all you live on, you know, all you have to live on. That's what she did out of her own free will. Give joyfully. God loves a cheerful giver. Give to God. David says, for all things come from you, God, and of your own have we given to you. It already belongs to him. He just, David realized whatever we give back to you, it already belongs to you in in the first place. You created all things. And then God is the ultimate giver. He gave us his son, Jesus Christ. And when we give, like I said, we are giving to God. My family has decided for 19 years, we have given at least 10%. That's what we do. We give at least 10%, but then we also give to different missions, organizations and stuff. And then things come up during the week. But we actually, we, we budget it. I'm not telling you guys what to do. I'm just saying, like, telling you what I do. Uh, one, so you know that I give. I'm not up here just, you know, standing up here preaching and, and, and I don't give. But I budget it because just like I, I told you I had to schedule time for my wife, I have to schedule money because you know what happens if you just kind of like, oh, I'll give. It's like something's always going to creep in, right? But if you budget it, it, it takes precedent. It's there, right? It's allotted there to, to give. I think there's wisdom uh, in that. Do I believe, sorry guys, time. Um, do I believe you're blessed if you give? 
Yes, I do in faith. Just because the prosperity gospel's messed up some stuff, I'm, yes, you're, you're blessed. Proverbs 11, 24, 25, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another one withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. Again, being watered doesn't mean that God's gonna make you rich just because you give. There's a lot more ways, a lot more important ways actually to be watered, right? Spiritually. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Jesus actually says this on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, like, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Stop worrying about all these other things, all these needs and stuff. If you'll seek first the kingdom of heaven and all of its righteousness, I'll supply all those things. I take care of the birds of the air, right? You see them finding their food and everything. Just seek me and I'll take care. I'll take care of the rest. Just trust me. Do I believe we're under a curse if we, like, miss a week or something of giving? Not at all. We're, we're not under the law. We're not under the law. Can't say that enough. Are you robbing God if you don't give? Maybe. That's between you and God. I don't know. That's not for, for me to judge. You know what I mean? Like if you're withholding for God, again, if we take it, like whenever we give to somebody, whenever we give, we're giving back to God. We are ministering to God by ministering to people in the world. When we, when we give, if we're withholding that, then yeah, God says, I put you here for a purpose and you're not using it. You're not investing it. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctant or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And again, that principle of, of sowing and reaping isn't just for money, but it was in that context there. He was taking up a collection for the church, and it, was, it did pertain to money in that instance. But the law of sowing and reaping is like, whatever we invest in this life, it's like we're just going to be blessed. It's just like a rule of thumb, a spiritual rule of thumb that, that happens. Uh, we're almost done here. On the other end, Jesus talks in Luke chapter 12, he talks of a hoarder. Uh, he says there's this rich man, and um, the land had produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. My goodness, with, with inflation in our world, that's a temptation. And I'm not saying don't have a savings account or money saved up, but the temptation, the devil can use it to get you to hoard all your money out of fear and you're not being rich towards God. You're not being rich towards other, other people because you're hoarding all your money. I'm gonna take care of me and my own because I'm afraid, you know, who knows what tomorrow is gonna bring. Y'all know what the Bible says about that, right? Who knows what tomorrow may bring? Don't worry about that. Trust the Lord, right? Trust him. Remember, we, 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 we operate what we believe, not what we profess. And if you're realizing, ah, oh, maybe I'm not trusting God on that. It's okay, bring it to God. Bring it to God. This is the time to bring it to God. Let him do that heart surgery. Let him work. So just all you gotta do is be available and say, Lord, I, uh, I realize, man, I'm operating out of fear. My life is consumed with fear. I'm afraid that I'm not gonna make it next week if, 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 I'm, a, if I'm a generous person. 
Tell it. Tell them. Tell them. But whether it's your time, talent, and treasure, actually not or, God doesn't want you to invest your time, talent, or treasure. I've heard somebody say that before. Like, I'm choosing, I'm choosing time, or I'm going to choose, you know, talent, or I'm going to choose treasure, right? No, time, talent, and, and treasure. Don't waste your life. Those are the resources that God has given us. This church is not God's kingdom, though. That's another dangerous part of the message. <laughs> but this church isn't the kingdom. It's a part of God's kingdom, okay? The local church is a part of God's kingdom. Uh, so here's the thing. If you don't have a role here at the church in making coffee, that's cool. doesn't mean you aren't fulfilling your purpose. I always said, like, we don't have parking attendants, but the parking attendant guy, he's not fulfilling his purpose out in the parking lot. He's just doing something out of love, volunteering, you know, for the church. And so here's the thing with the church. If you don't have a place in the church to serve, that's okay, because really you're supposed to be serving out there. Okay, we're a small church. But here's the thing, too. It's equally as wrong to like, no, man, I don't want to help this church. I just want to come sit. Feed off of Scott, you know, preaching to me every week, you know? And so we do need things, but the mission field is out there. All right, I'm going to wrap it up here real quick. Some of our needs, just to, to throw them out there. Uh, man, we need a, I'd like to develop a youth leader. I've said that before, instead of a rotation. Uh, we can still use children's and nursery workers. I know those are the, I put those at the top because those are the ones that nobody wants to do. Um, you know, uh, future growth group leaders. I want to raise up future growth group leaders. Uh, people leading outreaches. Like, actually, you know, so Scott's not doing it all. Like, come and, hey, I got this idea. Let's, let's lead an out. Let's do this outreach or this outreach, man. I'm all about that stuff. Um, we can use more hospitality team and, and greeters and stuff. Um, um, like to have somebody, I reach out to all newcomers, you know, somebody who's willing to, to help, help with that. Um, I'm willing to step back from my graphic design. You know, if we have another graphic designer who wants to do something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm not organized. We need a church organizer to help me with that. Um, and we do need, we need a bass player right now. Um, Kevin needs a backup drummer because he's, um, he's in Florida sometimes. So we can use uh, musicians. Um, I think we need a backup for Sean and Joseph, just an emergency or, or to help out. Um, there's doors and floors and, and uh, a sink and all that kind of stuff. So if you're a construction type and you, you want to do something like that, I've got some stuff for you. You got a passion, you got an idea, man, let me know. Like, there may be even something that we don't even have listed, not even on our radar. Be like, hey, I got this idea for this ministry. Yeah, that's cool. Come to me about that. But, I mean, here's the thing. If you come to me about it, you're going to head it off. <laughs> it's not going to be, I got an idea for you. No, we'll empower you. We're, we'll help you. you. You see what I mean? I, I'm all about that. But again, the mission field is out there. God has given us our time, talent, and treasure in order for us to uh, engage it.